Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello and welcome back, or perhaps welcome for the first time wherever you're at. We are now in over 30 countries. We've been listened to in over 30 countries, and it warms my heart. Why? Because when things resonate, and what I mean by resonate is when I listen to a podcast or a speaker, a video, if I read an article, and without doing any research, I do feel a resonance, something beyond the mind, something beyond, oh, yeah, this fact, you know, is backed up and I've heard it before. When we, when we feel that resonance, we feel at home. We go, okay, this kind of feels right. This sounds right. And so if you're here because of the resonance, if you're returning because you've heard something, you like what we're saying or what we're sharing, you're in the right place. If you are here to perhaps prove that your scientist is bigger than my scientist, that's just a saying, I don't have a scientist, but we have lots of experts and scientists on this show. We have lots of evidence backed up by years of scientific research studies, and not just the kind of studies cherry-picked by the pathologizing side that's so so intensely wants this ADHD to stay alive, to continue. The side that is not really committed to, uh, I hate to say the word cure, but to make it dissolve, disappear as a disorder, as a label, labeling children as broken. Because that is what's happening when we keep this alive in the current state, the current narrative is more destructive than it is supportive. And that's because it is solely based on coping. You have this for life, you better figure out a way how to cope because you ain't getting rid of it. It's your brain. That's coping. What we're here to do is help you and your family, or if you're listening here because you have someone in mind you want to share this with, then it's their family, all families. We want to help families with children who've been labeled, who've been singled out as the troublemakers, the broken ones. We want to help families like that to thrive, not cope. What's the difference? Coping versus thriving, there's another episode uh, you can listen to. I, I don't want to go into uh, details right now. That's episode 44. Coping is hoping. I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't already. Now, we, and I want to say this every time before I dive into the episode, is that we're not here to give you tips or strategies on how to cope. We're here because we're hoping to change your or anyone's perspective around this disorder so that you and your family, your friends, whoever this is for, you can thrive. Big difference. Again, episode 44, dig into that. It's not a long episode. So here we go. Again, welcome. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for your attention. Your attention is the most valuable thing, the most valuable currency that you own, that we own as human beings. Why? I don't want to get too metaphysical, but when we put our attention on something and it is backed up, turbocharged underneath with the intention to create something, like to manifest something, and it comes from love, we can actually create anything. Don't believe me? Watch the Lego movie, right? Master, master generators, master creators. We can do anything. We can create anything. I'm a big believer in that. And if you have a hard time believing that, I just encourage you to, to keep looking in your life. Where have you manifested something that you've paid a lot of attention to with positivity, love, and an intention to manifest something, to create something? Because you are truly a master manifester at the core. So am I, so is everyone. Unfortunately, all of us barely use 10, 15% consciously to manifest things. And we believe that the other 80, 90% in our lives has been manifested by something or someone else. Well, the news I got for you is that 100% in our lives, of our lives, we've manifested. At a deeper level, sure, at a soul level, we are manifesting things so that our soul can have an experience, a challenge, a lesson, a breakthrough, a growth. If you believe that, you've come to the right place. Because when we say ADHD is over, what we mean is that this is a declaration. This is a word given to you and your family, much like we did, where we are declaring that the current narrative, the pathology, the disorder, the label for us is over. It doesn't mean... I just want to be very clear that there aren't people out there facing struggles between themselves and their environment their, in their lives. We call this friction. ADHD over, is over doesn't mean there's no friction and there's no struggle. The struggle is real. But we believe the label, the narrative, the current narrative doesn't have to be. This is not to invalidate anyone's life, struggle, or even any expert's expertise or attempt at helping children or adults with this so-called disorder. We validate everything when it comes from love, positivity, and the commitment to actually better the situation, not make it worse. So when we sometimes get defensive or when we question what I call the pathologizing, the other side the other narrative, the main narrative, it doesn't come from an ignorance. It doesn't come from a disbelief or perhaps a hate for the other side. Absolutely not. Where it comes from is from a commitment that together, imagine all the experts together on both sides, actually, this is my dream. Like Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Well, I have one too. Why? Because I'm human. And just like Martin Luther King, I can have a dream as big as his 
and I can stand for it even beyond my death. And my dream is this, that all experts on both sides, or let's call it all sides, there's always more than two, but there's two main ones, that all experts on both sides come together in a, you know, perhaps a conference, a movement, something that, uh, apologize here, had a friend reaching out um, from Europe that I will talk to later. But again, my dream is to have all these experts come together and actually commit when walking in the door that they're not there to forward some agenda to please some funding source or some ego or to defend a life's work that if they were to perhaps turn their back on the pathology and move towards a more empowering context, that they would be left with no worth, right? If you're a 70 year old psychiatrist who's medicated and labeled and sort of declared children as broken for 70 years of, well, I guess when, whenever you got your degree, maybe you were 30 for 40 years of your life. It doesn't mean that when you actually put down that sword, that your life isn't worth anything. It's the opposite. When someone at 70 years old can say, you know what? Not to say I've been wrong, but what I've been practicing, believing and pushing forward as a narrative is incomplete. Therefore, I'm here walking in, in this door of the convention with an open heart and an open mind to work together with everyone in this room to do better. That is my dream. That experts on both sides really take a hard look at what benefits children, and I'm focused on children, but let's just say humans with ADHD, what really benefits them, starting from an early age of shielding them from anything that might have them question their self-worth. As you can tell from this statement, that's already an issue when we label someone and say, your brain isn't quite working properly. We think that's a good explanation to a child. We think, oh, well, you're like a Ferrari with bicycle brakes, is a metaphor I often hear. Well, that's a cute metaphor, and I get it, right? It's a clear metaphor, perhaps, for that, for the side that believes that's an issue to have these, um, these challenges in life, that they're part of a, a disorder, right? That's a good metaphor. I get it. But imagine being a child, hearing that, it's almost like, oh, shit, I I'm kind of reckless, because how could a Ferrari at high speed ever break with bicycle brakes? It's going to crash. I'm going to crash things. I'm going to hurt people. I'm going to hurt buildings. I'm going to cause lots of trouble, right? That's just one example. So the reason why I'm saying that is if we can come together as experts, as psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists, right? In one room for, I don't know, a week, right? This is just my vision, and everyone walks away with action items for reform. Let's go to work. And by the way, I'm not leaving pharma out of this, this uh, conference. I want pharma at the table. 
Because look, ultimately, medications aren't bad. There's many medications. Don't get me wrong. We're not anti-medication, like as a general rule. Because many lives have been saved with medication, with what we call artificially human-created medication, right? There's times when perhaps uh, Chinese herbs or, uh, you know, some kind of concoction just cannot save a life because we have 10 minutes or this person will die. That's just an example. So again, we're not anti-meds, but we would like to bring pharma to the table and say, guys, this doesn't have to mean medication should not exist or medication can't be given for certain certain circumstances unfortunately dear pharma it might mean less sales of these medications but perhaps you can get funding you can go to work on milder medications or different medications or you can um and i know this is a tall order because a lot of these large corporations you know, it's a giant, giant wheel moving forward and it's hard to stop them. It's like an avalanche, right? How do you stop it? So I think much like an avalanche, if you look at some of these um, preventative measures, uh, especially I remember them from Switzerland. I grew up in Switzerland. There's these kind of fences or things in the way that if the avalanche comes, at least it slows it down. So it doesn't like you know, threaten a village at full force. It might still land in the village, but it has been, the speed has been reduced. Well, this conference, I believe, could be a speed reducer to slow down this current narrative avalanche around ADHD. I don't want to get too carried away. I just wanted to share this dream that I have this dream that there will be a conference where both sides come together. And yes, it will get heated at times. Because look, when people come together and imagine two opposing forces with uh, hundreds of pages, thousands of pages of studies in their hand, and they start picking things apart. Well, you know, on page 10, it says this, and that's not true. That was done over two years, but you, you need to look at the study over four years. And the other side says, well, but it's reckless. There's people getting in car accidents right now. We need to do something. We need to medicate them. If not, lives are lost, right? Blah, 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 blah. By the way, I have the same dream for around COVID, but I might be a little too late um, to bring both sides together powerfully. But that's a side note. But my point is it will get heated, but what needs to happen in that room is what I call a heart opening. And what needs to happen is we need to hear from children as well and parents on both sides, sharing at the microphone on stage about the real benefits, the real pros and cons, not the ones we read about in the media of like, well, medication's not really that harmful and it's effective and, you know, but really both sides so that the adults the sort of often brainy, mind-based thinkers in the room, which a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists are by the nature of what they do. They're really great in the brain and they're really educated and they have degrees and they talk. But what I'm often not seeing from, especially in the current narrative, from a lot of those experts, there's no heart. It's all head. It's all head. 
And, you know, we're not going to get anywhere that way because that's back to what I said, the my scientist is bigger than your scientist. When we actually are in a room and we start to open people's hearts, and I believe that that would happen with testimonials of children and parents that are carefully selected and pre-screened, because look, people can get very emotional, what I call for the wrong reason. They may be very angry at pharma, or they may be very angry at, at, at our side for, um, you know, we had this, this interaction with a young couple on Facebook a while back, where when they just read ADHD is over, they were triggered. They're like, fuck you, excuse my language, for not seeing, respecting, honoring our struggle. And of course, our answer is like, look, your struggle is real. We're not questioning that. We're questioning the current narrative around this disorder. That's all we're doing. We're just questioning it. It, you know, if ADHD is over, triggers you, and it challenges you to to um, to engage in a conversation with us, then it, there's something to look at. What is it threatening, really? Because we are not harming anyone. I know there's been some experts who said that this podcast, this movement, is harmful. Please engage with us in a conversation. Why this is harmful? And show me the evidence. It might be triggering. It might be giving people new ideas. But look, we're not saying don't take your meds anymore. We're not saying medication's bad. You know, we're not saying there's some validity around the narrative. We're just saying the narrative is incomplete. It's outdated. And certainly it's not supporting children as they become adults that can function in this world and actually make informed decisions from their gut feeling, their intuition versus their head. And they're not going to be able to depend on their internal guidance. They will always look for external guidance, especially the ones that are medicated. Don't want to get into that right now, but let's jump into parenting as the cause and the cure. That's hopefully why you clicked on this and why you're here. So thank you for being with us for the first 20 minutes, because this was very important for me to lay down. So if you're still here, I promise you an interesting insight. What happened somewhere around um, the 1950s is that there was a new theory, a term was coined, and it was called refrigerator mother. It's kind of a tongue twister. Say it 10 times fast, right? So there was um, something that happened. It was coined around 1950 as a label for mothers or fathers of children diagnosed with autism or schizophrenia. Leo Kanner is the guy, you can look this up on Wikipedia, first identified autism in 43. He noted the lack of warmth among the parents of autistic children. So, so naturally, parents, particularly mothers, were often blamed for their children's atypical behavior, which included rigid rituals, speech difficulty, and self-isolation, right? And what happened when this term got coined 
it ruffled a lot of feathers. Imagine being a mother and you feeling like it's your fault that your child has autism, right? And even though our movement is around um, ADHD, not autism, it's very similar what happened because what happened is that parents and lots of groups, autism groups and obviously experts, were triggered and majorly went on the defensive. How dare you? How could you blame parents, right? And look, I don't know the scientific studies around autism. This is not our focus. I don't know, you know, what, what happened exactly. But what I can say is that I'm going to read you this from, from a, a Wikipedia description. It says, refrigerator mother theory is a theory that autism is caused by a lack of maternal warmth. Nurturing, right? It says, current research indicates that genetic factors are suspected in the cause of autism. And now here's the important part, as well as environmental factors. Now, I want to just, before I get into this theory, pick apart the word environmental factors. When we hear this, most often people think of pollution, you know, heavy metals in the brain, vaccines, and so forth, right? Environment. What most people don't realize is the environment around a human being is everything, everything. Thing, And I want to be very clear that I don't want to cherry pick or let anyone cherry pick environment because the environment, as we've discovered in many scientific studies on many topics, not related to ADHD, the environment is everything from the moment you're born into a clearing. Now, you might be born in Iraq in a village, right? You might be born in New York, in a metropolitan city. You may have more smog, less smog. You may have been born a natural birth or a really rigid, intense medical birth at a hospital. It might've been a nice hospital, not a nice hospital. The doctor might've been stressed or not stressed. It might've been a woman or a man, you know. Um, there might've been complications with the birth or not. Now, if we take this further, the parents were together during birth or they were not. There was divorce. There was drug abuse. Then it goes into parenting. It goes into education. It goes into do you have siblings or not siblings? As you can tell, there are so many, almost an endless amount of environmental factors. And so one of the most important factors, and this is why I think Leo Kanner did this very risky thing. I think what he was actually saying was, if we're going to look at the environment around a mental disorder, then the most important factor in the environment is parenting. How come? You may say, well, what if the child has heavy metals in the brain because of the vaccines? Well, here's the thing. We're not going to get into vaccines right now. We're not anti-vaxxers. Our, our children are vaccinated. We're more like careful, you know, slow vaccinators. Everybody has their own choice. 
Um, but what I want to point out here is that through the study of epigenetics, science has actually shown that, for example, ADHD is not what we call genetic. Often this, this term, this in the current narrative, it's, it's brushed over. It's, it's so simplified, like, yeah, ADHD can be genetic. Well, what happens when we do that, when we don't actually split the hairs here and we say, well, it's not technically genetic, it's epigenetic. And if you're not familiar with epigenetics, I highly recommend you look this up because epigenetics proves that DNA, like your genes, can be turned on or off through the manipulation of the environment. What does that mean? That means you could be predisposed to have traits of ADHD. So I want to make sure you got that I didn't say to have ADHD because it's not a thing. It was made up. We have to be really clear. I know I'm splitting atoms here, but ADHD, the term, the label is not real. The struggles are real and we've created a system that makes it seem real, but the term was made up. So at some point, right, you can look at the history of ADHD. Wasn't always called ADHD. Again, proof, it's made up. So the thing, ADHD is not real. That's why I said the traits, you might, be, you might be predisposed to the traits of ADHD, but it does not mean that it's predetermined that you will show or your child will show, exhibit those traits. What it means is that if you as a parent, and again, in most families, parents are the one that spend the most, what I call educating or role modeling time with their children, hopefully, right? In a, in a healthy family, in a balanced family. You as the parent have the power to affect your child's genes, period. I'll say it again. You as the parent or the parents of your child or children have the power to affect your child's genes, especially meaning their outcome in the future, right? Look up epigenetics and perhaps Google epigenetics and ADHD. Also, I highly recommend you listen to Bruce Lipton on epigenetics. So what does that mean? Well, that means in a way, and this is why I titled this episode, Parenting, The Cause and the Cure. I hate to use the word cure, but I wanted it to be catchy because when I say cure, I mean dissolving unwanted behaviors. What does that mean? That means if you have a child that's very, what, what they call, the other side calls it um, restless or you know hyperactive or impulsive, that can be dissolved. We have now basically proven that with our son, who's no longer hyperactive. He's now 12. He was diagnosed at six. We had him diagnosed because we wanted to know what they, the other side, thinks of him. That has been dissolved. He's also not very impulsive anymore. He's still impulsive, but we foster that. We promote good, healthy impulsivity because ultimately that's how we calibrate our intuition. That's how we learn. That's how we fail, right? That's how we fall and get back up. So we foster that. But my point here is all the traits of ADHD can be dissolved. 
So when I say the cause and the cure, I really mean causing the potential root cause of ADHD and then the ability to dissolve it. I just wanted to be clear about that. The cause at the root, we believe, and Dr. Gabor Mate also strongly believes that that's the case. And what it is, is that the cause of any mental disorder, at the root cause of any mental disorder, there's some form of trauma. Now, I know for some of you that's very triggering because it's like there's no trauma in our family. And I always say just because there's no drama doesn't mean there's no trauma. What that means is that in our society, we have this agreement that trauma, you know, that traumas are only these extreme things that happen like rape and going to war and perhaps a, a really messy divorce and drug abuse, you know, yes, those are definitely traumas. But there is a list of what um, Gabor Mate likes to refer to as lowercase t traumas. And then there's the, you know, capital T traumas, which I just mentioned a few of them. And it's important to know that all trauma is is some event stressing the nervous system and then the inability of the parents or the child in this case to be able to work through that, to actually process and heal the trauma. That's all trauma is. Imagine the nervous system is, is a body inside of your body, right? Imagine it like a very fragile body inside of your body that's made up of nerves. And now something happens that stresses the nerves. And so naturally, the way our bodies are designed, our body goes into defense mode, right? And then what follows, there's shock and there's, you know, the processing of it. I don't want to get into the details here. I'm not a psychologist and, or a psychiatrist, but this is based on intense research that we've now done for seven years, six years, take that back, going on seven. Um, the body goes into defense mode and it's like high alert. And the prefrontal cortex, you know, has been tasked to process, to figure out how to stay safe, how to not get hurt again because traumas are essentially painful. They're painful physically or emotionally. Usually it's obviously if you get hurt physically, then you're also going to be um, dealing with psychological, emotional, and so forth, uh, pain, right? Which is why we call, there's, there's a term called PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress syndrome. Now, stress is important because, again, the nervous system gets stressed out, Right? And so post-traumatic just means what happens after the trauma happened, there's stress and the body, the nervous system can't regulate to go back into calm. You can look that up. I highly encourage you to Google sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, very fascinating to look into that. We'll do another episode on that. But here's the, here's the kicker. 
when we say parenting, the cause and the cure, we are saying that no matter who did the trauma, perhaps it wasn't the parents, perhaps it was uh, the delivery, the doctor, right? Whatever happened during birth, perhaps it's, in our case, it was uh, prenatal stress. I wasn't able to hold the sword of the family back then as, as the man in, in the marriage. Uh, I won't go into details now. There's more to that, so, so don't get triggered around masculine, feminine here. But I really wasn't holding up my, my end of the bargain. So my wife was hard at work, stressed, worked many hours during the pregnancy all the way up to birth. And when you think of a baby's or an, you know, a, a, a little one in the womb, imagine how much more fragile their little brand new nervous system is. I recently uh, read a study around ultrasound, how ultrasound is actually very shocking to a baby in the womb's nervous system. Of course, we're using it as a technology, as a way to, hey, here, you can look at your baby. That's a great breakthrough. But we are not willing to look at the study results and say, you know what, it's actually not very good for this little being's nervous system. So there's already stress in the womb, and now we're doing other medical procedures between you know conception and birth, and then during birth, and then post-birth, and then, I don't know, go, go where you want to go with this, but then there's going to be injections and metal and there's going to be surgeries and there's, there's vaccines and there's just stuff coming at this little being that is so fragile, very fragile. That's not, that's not a, a, a conspiracy theory or a myth. I mean, we know little babies when they're born and even before that are super fragile. And now imagine a baby being born and then going into a family where there's already some unrest or there's a divorce or, uh, you know, there are things that are not addressed so that the child doesn't feel safe. And then, then there's abuse and then there's drugs and there's, like I said, divorces. There's just many, 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 many forces coming at us. Now imagine as parents, you're also going to project your own stress, often unaware due to the transgenerational parenting that you've picked up, sort of become an autopilot parent thinking, I know how to raise my child. And I always ask parents, where did you learn your parenting? And most people don't know what to say. They're like, well, I just, I mean, from my parents, and I guess I know what I'm doing, but nobody really does. Most people don't know how to parent, but there's that, that sort of attitude uh, to say, well, don't tell me how to raise my children. I know how to raise my children. None of us do. We're getting better at it. But my point here is that imagine that additional stress projected onto the little baby, the child growing up. And then life brings traumas, right? Then there's the stress of education, schooling, there's, there's bullying, there's drugs, there's suicide, homicide, there's uh, anxiety, there's depression, there's eating disorders, there's all this stuff that shows up in our space, school shootings. I mean, think about all of that in the news, video games, all of that stuff that I believe are not the cause of ADHD, but they are inflaming the symptoms, the traits. Of course they are. It's all still traumatic daggers coming at this being. And so here we are as parents, we do hold the key 
to actually shield our children from a lot of these traumas. Now, don't get me wrong. Trauma is part of life. That's how we learn. It's like the hurdles in a hurdle race, right? If they weren't hurdles, then it would be just be a straight run. But these sprinters jump over these hurdles because they're, in, they're there. So traumas will always be there. But as parents, our goal is to reduce the unnecessary, unwanted, perhaps almost a bit, uh, I can't think of the right word, but they're just, it's just there. It's a byproduct of our crazy busy world. If we can shield them from most of the unnecessary ones, and if we can teach them how to, A, stay away from traumas, B, when trauma happens, how to process and heal it, then we are truly being the part of the cure, part of the, the aid in dissolving these traits, these symptoms, that then end up getting them labeled with a disorder, with a brain abnormality, as it used to be called a dysfunction of the brain back in the day. And when we do that, we can actually get really present to the power that we have as parents. We are powerful beings to begin with as human beings, you and I. But as parents, we are so powerful. We are literally the educator of young beings on this planet. We are the guides. We are tasked to make them, quote unquote, turn out. Every parent wants their children to turn out. That's why they're so crazy running after this carrot on a stick called the Ivy League track because parents feel that if their children get good grades and get into good schools and get good jobs and make a lot of money, that they've done their job. But that's only part of it. You know, for a child to have a good career and make money, that's great. But if it's not their passion, if it's not in a field they love, if it wasn't really them choosing it, if it was the parents choosing it for them, I hate to break it to you, parents, but they're not going to be happy. They're going to struggle a lot in life and they'll get over it, hopefully. But we are doing them a disservice by trying to project our fear and our, uh, you know, the, the, the ideal life onto them so that they need to go out there and be stressed and do something that's not really for them that they didn't choose, but that their parents chose for them. Again, more stress and more trauma. So parents, I'm here to say you are the cause and you are the cure of your children's disorder, any disorder, not just ADHD, any disorder, depression, anxiety. Don't let ever, don't let ever, ever, ever any therapist, however many degrees are mounted on their walls, tell you that your child just has this thing called anxiety or your child just is depressed or your child just has this disorder called ADHD. That is a complete load of bullshit. And here's why. Because no child just has that. That is ultimately, meaning an anxiety, a depression and so forth, an eating disorder, never just shows up on its own for no reason and oops, you're cursed or your child is. No. Every mental disorder and 
it's a term that we us humans have coined. I should say every struggle of a human being out in the world is caused by some form of an imbalance. And that's caused by some form of an unhealed, unprocessed trauma, a traumatic event or multiple ones that happened between conception and wherever the child is at, at that time in their lives. And when we can look at that and say, yeah, right now my daughter has an eating disorder or, well, my son seems depressed, but we're going to look into what's the cause versus, okay, well, if I give him medication, then he'll be better. Because what happens when we do that and we don't actually go to the cause, we don't actually find out what environmental factors we can improve in the family or just in the environment of the child, could be education, could be many things. If we don't go there, then we're slapping a Band-Aid on a much deeper wound. And eventually by taking medication, for example, again, we're not anti-meds, but by taking medication, we're creating a dependency. That is not a a, a, you know, a conspiracy theory or a myth. Medication does create a dependency because even if psychologically you think I don't function as well unless I have my meds, you are now making your self-worth, your, self, your power dependent on an outside, on an external thing like medication or therapy or, you know, and so forth. So I'm here to say that it is our job as the parents, to own that we are the cause and the cure. And once we own that, without defending it, like refrigerator mothers had to back then, to say, no, 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 that is not true. We are not to be blamed for our child's disorder, right? If we are still defending that, I hear this often. Big Pharma has very smartly, intelligently coined the phrase, don't worry, it's not bad parenting. You Google it. Google it's not bad parenting and it's, it comes up. It was very smart because what they're basically saying is like, it has nothing to do with your parenting. And that is the problem. That is a huge problem because what that says is like, you are not responsible for your child's well-being. I'm here to say we are responsible. Not in a to be blamed or it's our fault. Being responsible means we can powerfully respond to any given situation and make a difference. That's what's called being responsible. Responsibility starts with a declaration. I am the cause and the cure. I am responsible. Therefore, let me and my husband or wife, let us look deeper. Let's clean up every corner of our family life. Let's clean it up with integrity. Let's look at everything. Nutrition. Is it the right education for our child? Are we loving enough? How's the marriage? Do we believe in something bigger than ourselves? Are we, are we grateful people? Do we communicate? How are we emotionally? Are we healthy? Are we emotionally intelligent? Are we focused on, uh, you know, uh, knowledge? And, 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 and are we IQ versus EQ more than we should, right? All of it has to be looked at. Every single corner of the family life, the family house has to be cleaned up. That's called being responsible, being the cause and the cure. If you're willing to do that, you definitely have come to the right podcast and to the right movement because we believe that is going to create a better world. Starting today with you, the listener, 
hopefully shifting your perspective around this disorder, hopefully starting a new dialogue with, with your partner, uh, you know, family member, friend around what's possible to thrive, not to cope. Coping is such a celebrated skill in our world, yet what we don't realize is that thriving is much more fulfilling than coping. Coping is almost a bit like giving up, but hanging on to external sources to make it to the end of life. What kind of life is that? Let's thrive together. I thank you for your attention again. That is your most precious currency and you've paid it to me. You've given it to me so gracefully and so generously if you're still listening. So thank you for that. And if you're still here, I definitely know that you are committed to making a difference in your child or your children's lives or your friends or family members. And that makes you a really aware, committed person. And I acknowledge you for that. So thank you for listening. If you'd like more information on our movement, the documentary film, the podcast, the book and so forth, go to ADHDisover.com. Our support partner is Boku Superfood. Their website is bokusuperfood.com. It's also in the show notes. That's B-O-K-U superfood.com. They have amazing products talking about thriving. Your body, your brain, your mind, everything will thrive when you're on their all-natural, organically sourced, wonderful products. Check them out. Hope it's been a pleasure. It's definitely been a pleasure and an opportunity for me to share, again, more insights. Thank you for that. Wishing you a wonderful day wherever you're at, in whatever country you're at, in whatever situation you're in. Know that you are the one. You can do this. Much love until next time.